You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me at Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. Doing so is 100% free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Thanks for hanging out with us to talk about Winnipeg Jets hockey, which, uh, speaking of Jets hockey, we actually do have a game to discuss. Winnipeg played a game against the St. Louis Blues on the road on this past Saturday. Now, right now, the status of the team I would call uh, fragile. Uh, Mark Shifley was actually asked recently by a member of the press, you know, what is the identity of this team does it even have one and this was after the loss to vancouver and shifley was you know he gave a a fuller answer but one of the key quotes that got pulled out of it was probably not the jets seem to lack some sort of cohesion and a cohesive identity which i i think pretty much anyone who has watched this team over like the last four years basically knows this already I think there's a certain section of the fan base that believes this team is better than it really is, but the reality of the Jets is that they've been, at times, lottery level, um, at best kind of okay to mediocre, Uh, you know, not really a team that has looked like a serious playoff contender for many seasons. This particular iteration of the team is kind of all over the place. There are games where they look like, you know, a pretty competent NHL outfit, and then there are games where they just don't even know what basic systems and and coverages are, which is kind of strange. The scrambliness that has been associated with Paul Maurice defensive structures in the past is still an issue here, but at times it seemingly gets exaggerated by, you know, line change-ups that randomly happen in the middle of the game, missed assignments, miscommunications, and a somewhat inexperienced head coach trying to fit together a bunch of his own versions of Paul Maurice's existing systems onto this Jets team. I think you've noticed a lot of, well, disjointed play. The team is disorganized, and it hasn't really gotten better despite several weeks of practice and rest. That all made this game coming in against the Blues pretty daunting, and to make matters even more interesting, it was Eric Comrie's first start in like two months. Now, I don't know about you, but asking a young netminder who hasn't played in a couple of months to come in and back up for Hellebuck after not having really seen any initial action since the beginning of December against one of the legitimately better teams in the league, especially in St. Louis on their own home turf, that to me just sounds like a recipe for disaster, especially with how fragile this team is. So, you know, for Eric Comrie's sake, I was wondering how exactly this would pan out, you know? This is a really tough team, and even if the Blues maybe aren't on the level of, like, I don't know, a a Florida Panthers or something, this is still a squad that can hurt you quickly. They've got a pretty solid defensive core. They've got some really exciting young talent like Jordan Cairo. Uh, you know, a couple of guys like that are coming up through the ranks. And Tarasenko looks to be back at his best, which is a big deal for this Blues team because Tarasenko has been one of their uh, talisman kind of players. And they haven't really seen, uh, you know, the, the best of him for a couple of years now thanks to injuries. But it seems like the rest and time off has done him a world of good. 
And despite the contract issues of him potentially wanting out, it seems like he's still giving his 100% to this team, and it seems like, you know, the, the team is definitely pretty pleased with his performance. You're going to want to remember that name, Tarasenko, because he did actually show up quite a bit tonight, but maybe not in the way you would expect. Coming out of the gates, though, the first period was pretty lively. Both teams were skating pretty aggressively. I thought the Jets maybe had a couple of decent first chances, but after that, the Blues started to hit them from the blue line and, and start being a little bit more aggressive. A lot of point shots they were trying against Comrie, which I don't know if they thought they could get a deflection or something in front, but it seemed like, you know, the Blues were trying to find some weird angles and deflections because this Jets defense is uh, pretty young right now. It's It's got a couple of new kids on the block. You've got Vili Heinola, who has played a couple of NHL games, but is still basically a rookie. Then you've got Declan Chisholm rejoining for at least a game or two. I don't know how much she's going to play, but he is on this team for the time being, and he got back in today. Um, he was paired with Johnny Kovacevic, who made his NHL debut against the Canucks the other night. So you're looking at a very rookie-laden lineup, especially on this back end. But, um, you know, what I was thinking with this unit was that it was a lot more mobile and a lot faster than what we're used to. One of the biggest issues with this team is that the defense, in my mind, doesn't really have a lot of foot speed when it's at full health. You know, oftentimes that quick decision-making and that quick foot speed can get you out of trouble if you make a really bad pass. But with the Jets, there aren't many players who can do that. The only guy that I think really does it consistently is like Neil Pionk. Pionk actually got to be paired with Heinola for multiple shifts, and overall I thought those two had a lot of natural chemistry. Um, one of the things that Pionk has often kind of gotten in trouble with is making bad turnovers and passes, but usually he's had to be the one that kind of bails himself out. This time, though, he could actually call upon Heinola to do that for him. I thought Heinola was a very nice safety valve, and then, you know, because Heinola is so gifted when he's on the puck and can really skate, but also make clean exit passes, you know, the Jets were able to clear the defensive zone multiple times using this Pionk-Heinola pairing, which you really love to see that. That's something that the Jets definitely lack, and I think especially in these opening periods when everyone was kind of getting, you know, to grips with a really rookie lineup against a very, a very physical, very fast Blues forecheck, this difference in team composition really does make a difference. I mean, Chisholm is fast, Kovacevic, He's a little bit more mobile than Stanley is. I, I don't think that he's like a massive upgrade necessarily, but he seems to be pretty competent overall. And we all know that Heinola at his best can be a, a really dominant transition defender with a great shot and great vision. So that's kind of stuff that I think would really make this team a lot stronger down the road. But whether or not the coaching staff really agrees, it's hard to say right now. The Jets' defense did get itself into some early trouble, though. There was a penalty, and, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko, on a great feed from Braden Shen, made it one nothing Blues. Not long after that, though, there was an incident where uh, the Blues had Jordan Cairo and Justin Falk inside the defensive zone, their own defensive zone. I don't know what exactly happened, but Falk ended up colliding with Cairo. The puck sort of squirted out. Billy Husso, who was in net for the Blues, came out to play the puck, but Paul Stastny just sort of had to jump on it caused some chaos, tying up Huso outside of his crease, and then sort of tucked the puck past everyone to make it 1-1 Jets. If ever there was a goal that was super needed for this team, that would be the one. After this first period, you know, it was a pretty even affair, and I thought that uh, the Jets played pretty competent hockey. The Blues were definitely in lockstep with them, although I did think St. Louis maybe had a couple of decent chances that might have a bit more danger than some of the Jets' ones. Eric Comrie, though, seemed to be up to the task, which is really good to see. After this tighter, very competitive first period, things started to shift, and you would be surprised in which direction they moved. You'll find out in just a moment, but before we go any further, I thought you should hear a little bit about Bilt Bar and why they're the best tasting protein bars on the market. 
It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your New Year's plans. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but it's even better for you. They make it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good, you'll actually want to eat it, unlike all those other waxy, chalky, boring protein bars you're used to. Built Bars are coated in 100% real chocolate and contain around 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Good luck finding a candy bar that's as guilt-free as Built Bars are. Ready to make the change? Go through your cupboards or all of your secret snack stashes and throw out all the junky, calorie-laden, super-sugary foods that you can replace with Built Bars. You don't even have to love working out. Built Bars are suitable for every lifestyle and can help you cut calories the tasty way. To get started, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Start your New Year's resolutions off the Built way. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. When we return, we will have some more Jets coverage as we near into this upcoming really busy February schedule with a lot of Olympic stuff. I'll also probably talk a little bit about some Olympics hockey if I manage to catch any of it, update you on the standings, yada, yada, yada. I don't know how closely a lot of you will be following it, but if you are, I'll be uh, giving you some updates on Team Canada maybe Team USA, and if any of the Jets prospects are attending, which it sounds like Nate Smith might be, I'll give you some thoughts on his performances. But for now, of course, we still have some stuff to talk about St. Louis versus Winnipeg. Before we go any further, though, I thought you should also know about making your second listen Locked On NHL. It's our Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NHL every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, so be sure to like and subscribe today. Now, you know, the Jets were entering the second period with a 1-1 tie against the Blues, and after a fairly competitive even first period, I wasn't really sure what the second period would look like. What I did not expect was for the Jets to basically just control the entire middle frame. I don't know if the Blues had more than like two or three shots this entire frame, which, that's kind of crazy. Usually the Jets are very generous, um, (laughs) not in a good way I would say, in terms of uh, surrendering high-danger chances and just a general volume of shots. And yet, for once, this team basically locked down the Blues almost completely. I haven't seen St. Louis look this toothless in a very long time. Now, I know that their record might be, in some scenarios, a little bit of a mirage, but overall, I feel like this team is very defensively sound. They don't really give you much. I mean, the Jets themselves really didn't have more than, like, six or seven shots that period. So it's not like the action was very high-paced and, you know, Winnipeg was completely dominating. It was more like it was a very tight defensive draw, and it was just that the Jets were that much more better. Now, Winnipeg actually did score a couple of goals this period. The first one came from a pretty nice Kyle Connor release. Uh, Dubois had an odd man situation, found Kyle Connor on the left flank. Connor finally just tucked it in behind the goalie, basically. He hit the inside of the left, or I guess it was the goalie's right post, and it goes off the post and in. A little bit fortunate that the deflection uh, actually went into the net. Usually when you hit the post from that angle, it can either uh, skirt along the goal line or just deflect away. This time, though, it deflected on the inside and goes in. Connor's been hitting a lot of posts and uh, getting a lot of saves made against him, so I'm sure it feels good to add his 24th goal of the season. His 24th. That's pretty friggin' ridiculous, man. I mean, this this guy has seriously grown his game by a pretty decent amount, especially offensively. The defense, still not great. Uh, just poor, actually, I'll be honest. 
but part of the reason that I groused about it was because he wasn't really giving back that value on offense. This time, it's a little bit more in favor of uh, Connor's performances. He's been sensational this season, so yeah, not really much to complain about there. The third goal for the Jets was Nate Schmidt getting a very high shot from the top of the uh, the top of the opposing blue line on the power play, and it just somehow beat Billy Huso pretty cleanly. I was feeding my dogs away from the monitor, so I had to look at it from a pretty great distance, but I didn't see any deflections that really affected the trajectory of the puck as far as I could tell. Uh, Schmidt looks like he just got the, the puck right through. Not a lot of traffic, I would say, but maybe just enough to put Huso off his line or something. I don't know. This is the sort of long shot bomb the Jets usually concede, so it's nice that it actually worked out for Winnipeg instead. For the rest of the period, you know, the Blues really didn't sniff much, uh, especially around Comrie. I think the Jets really did a good job of defensively locking things down. And, you know, one of the biggest reasons was the mobility of this defense. You know, you had Kovacevic, who's pretty solid as like your third pairing guy. He was able to box out any shooting angles and generally just doesn't make too many poor decisions. I think he makes good passes. He can skate the puck out under pressure. And he's big and physical enough to where, you know, he can be trusted with winning some battles in the corners, shielding the puck. That The coaching staff kind of loves this stuff. So if that's going to be a player that they call upon, you know, so long as he keeps it up, I really don't see any reason to be upset about that. In fact, the Jets having a skilled big body is probably okay with me especially since it could mean less Nathan Beaulieu instead. Um, but the other thing that we saw was Heinola looking very confident. He and Chisholm uh, definitely have shown that they are very capable of skating the puck out into, into transition and getting it you know, through the neutral zone and up the ice. Uh, I will say that this was probably Heinola's really uh, coming out party as far as what an NHL defender could look like in him. And I think he showed that alongside Pionk or whoever he was with, he was very comfortable skating out with a puck. He could lead breakouts through the neutral zone. He could uh, create offensive opportunities with very smart activations. Um, and when he was inside the defensive zone, he made good outlet passes. He was calm and collected and patient and usually avoided many uh, mistakes or turnovers. This was probably his cleanest performance, especially in comparison to like his first game. But this is kind of what we've been saying with him. The only way that he's really going to learn how to play at the NHL level is by playing at the NHL level. If you want him to get his timing down and get his decision-making to be better, the only way that he can do it is if he's actually playing for the Jets. He's not going to learn anything playing back with the moose or sitting in the press box. You actually need him getting NHL ice time because that's really the level of hockey that he needs to experience so he can actually adjust his game to fit what the Jets want to do. And I think these uh, couple of periods with him really showed him conforming to the coaching staff's instructions and showing that, yes, he actually really does belong in place of some of the guys who have been getting some of the ice time instead. It is still a very small sample size, so, you know, obviously we'll want to see if it continues and if he regresses, maybe he does need some time off and, and back to the moose, but I, I feel fairly confident in Heinle's abilities. This is more of what we've seen with him in the past, whether it was in Liga or with Team Finland when the World Juniors were running. As, uh, as long as he can be flexible and adapt to this level of hockey, I think he will be a pretty long-term NHLer. In just a little bit, we'll wrap up thoughts on this game and ultimately what this more mobile backend might mean for the future of the Jets' defense. Because honestly, I, I think there are reasons for long-term optimism, even if the team right now is still not that great. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are uh, closing out tonight's episode with some thoughts on the Jets versus the Blues, which... 
was a pretty good game. I mean, the third period, you could see St. Louis starting to really push. Eric Comrie had to make some really good saves on some tough deflections. The Jets were sitting a little bit deeper, but, you know, they had a 3-1 lead, and for the most part, they kind of controlled the game, and I felt, aside from a couple of chances that the Blues maybe could have converted on, I didn't really feel that St. Louis was really in any danger of actually, you know, coming back in this game and putting the Jets under any stress. I think Winnipeg did a pretty good job. Um, and the Jets actually did get a little bit of a benefit right before the end of the game. You know, St. Louis had the goalie pulled, and I forget who it was. It might have been Ryan O'Reilly who was entering the zone with the extra man, and uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois ended up tripping him at the blue line. It didn't get called, and then Paul Stastny got a second goal uh, after a, a race for the icing because I think all of the Blues players thought it was going to be a penalty. Didn't get called. They were all still up in the offensive zone and the neutral zone. And so Stastny just sort of outskated everyone. It was, a, uh, in my opinion, a pretty poor refing decision, but, you know, it is what it is. There's not much you can really argue with at this point. The damage is done, and the Jets have benefited from it. It's a little bit funny, but you, you still really can't say that the Jets didn't deserve to win this game. They were honestly the better team, and I thought that second period especially was really good from Winnipeg. That was, in my mind, one of the best periods of hockey that they've played in some time, especially defensively. Maybe offensively not so ambitious, but if you're looking for like a strong controlled uh, zone exits and, and a throttling play that basically limits your opponent to only a couple of perimeter and peripheral chances, I mean, that's all I could really ask for if you're going on the road against the Blues. St. Louis isn't the kind of team that has like a high-flying, high-octane offense, but they are one of those teams that's very hard to score against, and they're also just very good on the, on the power play, especially when guys like Kairu, Thomas, um, Tarasenko, yada yada yada, all of them getting uh, up into the play and jumping in. That's a pretty difficult unit to handle, and yet the Jets did a great job. I mean, this team has a lot of depth, and Winnipeg, despite all the injuries and stuff, managed to really hurt their top lines. I really don't think you can be too upset about that. Now, as much as I would love to sing the praises of just every unit in general and say that everything was hokey-dory, there were one or two things that I think really should be mentioned, um, and maybe not in the most positive light, and I think Mark Shively's performance um, definitely for me was one of the biggest negatives of the night. Shively was kind of a disaster. This was honestly one of his most unfocused, uh, sloppy games I've seen from him in ages, Forget not backtracking, he turned the puck over so many times, whether he was in the offensive zone, the neutral zone, defensive zone, didn't matter. Bad passes, um, a lack of offensive awareness, just constantly being caught out by the blue skaters. And sure, you could say, well, he didn't really have many outlets and stuff, but that's kind of on him to make sure that he's tracking everyone on the ice, uh, keeping guys in the play, and just generally being a positive influence. I really felt like Shifley, for me, was probably the worst jet on the ice, which... That's that's pretty bad. I mean, that, you're, you're looking at this guy as being your number one first-line center, and he hasn't been that in a long time. And Pierre-Luc Dubois is kind of paving the way for that role. I think PLD has been dominant since coming here in short. He does have some defensive shortcomings, and he makes some silly turnovers. He also has a little bit of a mean streak that sometimes gets him into trouble, but for the most part, I think PLD has been awesome. Contrasting all of that with, you know, Mark Shifley's performance, for me, it, it's just hard to really watch him do this kind of stuff and think about what his future with the Jets should be. I, I don't know if the Jets would trade him, but I think at some point they're going to have to make a decision. I've not really been happy with him for a while, and even when he's scoring, it just doesn't feel like he's as engaged as I want him to be. I don't know what it is about his body language, about the way that he plays. It just doesn't feel like he 
is maybe as attached to this team as I would expect. And maybe that's just my impression. Maybe it's completely false and he's really in love with playing, you know, with the Jets. But I really miss this version of him that I used to never have questions about. There was a time when Shifley was, you know, honestly, one of my favorite players in Winnipeg. And that version of him that we used to love has kind of gone away a little bit. So I, I don't know what to do with him. I really don't. If he gets traded, he'd get in a pretty big package for a, a trade deal. So maybe the Jets think about it. I would rather make PLD our number one first line center and pay him uh, a good deal of money. But, you know, the Jets are going to have to figure out how to fill that gap that Shifley would leave. And, and, you know, maybe they feel that he is still loyal to the org. I don't know. It's a strange situation, and I'd be curious to know your thoughts on it, so be sure to let me know what you would do with Mark and if you feel he's been satisfactory, below par, maybe even above expectation. Whatever it is you're feeling, let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's show, though, that is going to do it. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your online betting needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. You can find them on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe today. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!